You are listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research journeys here at UVic. Welcome to Beyond the Jargon. I'm your host, Liz MacArthur, and joining me today is Stephanie Kalerbusk, who is doing a Master's of Education in Leadership Studies um, through the Department of Educational Psychology and Leadership Studies. Yes, I am. Thank you for joining me today. (laughs) Oh, thanks for having me. Now, you're just starting out doing this Master's, is that right? Yeah, I started this fall, so just two months in. Mm. And yeah, being a graduate student is exciting. It, It was stressful at the beginning, but it's very cool to be back at school. Yeah. I'm sort of hoping that this will be the first of two interviews that we can do with you. One now when you're just starting and then maybe one like, you know, yeah. at the end of your program. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about maybe the transition from undergrad to graduate. Did you go straight from your undergraduate program into your grad studies now? No, actually, I um, I did my undergrad at McGill. I'm, I'm from Montreal, so that's where I did my undergrad, and I finished that in the spring of 2011. So I've had three years off, um, did the whole traveling thing and uh, different jobs, and uh, yeah, it, it really, for me, it was really beneficial because it gave me the time to think about how I wanted to use my undergraduate and and really ponder about what my interests are and hone in on how I can best use master's research to advance all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What was your undergraduate in? I got a, a general BA in, uh, I double majored in cultural studies and sociology. So both kind of uh, areas that might seem very nebulous to a lot of employers where uh, I discovered that a lot of it is um, when you look for jobs is based on marketing your interests and your passions and then your studies kind of show that you're good at working and and give you a background of oh I know about these theories and these ideologies um but yeah so I guess now going into the MED in leadership studies it's sort of off that path a little bit, but still related. What does leadership studies actually mean? Yeah, so that <laughs> is actually something all my teach or, or all my profs have been asking us as students, which is kind of funny. Uh, leadership is so broad; it, it you know it touches upon um, public policy and education, and it can be in a in a more management setting or uh, international cooperation. And they're all areas that I was very interested in. And so that's why I thought, oh, leadership, that sounds great. And then, of course, there's so many different options. And being a master's student, you have to choose quite a narrow piece of research. So, um, yeah, so I, I, uh, some of my classes right now are politics and organizations, and so looking at um, educational policy in Canada, and other ones are li- related more to democracy and learning, and how adult education has been able to contribute to more democratic uh, systems and government. So, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you're looking at sort of a broad view of what leadership means at the beginning here, and then will you gradually narrow your focus? Yes, yes. So um, it's also a, a department of UVic where we have a lot of international students, like well over 50% of my courses are international wow. students. So it's interesting, too, because then you kind of see how um, how students from other countries come with the, these varied perspectives as well as to what leadership means. And 
So, so definitely all sorts of different ideas about leadership going into it. And so, mm-hmm. do you know? Do you have any idea yet how you would like to narrow your focus? Are you still sort of deciding what what interests you? Yeah, I have actually. Um, I've done a lot of work in with children. And done a lot of work for projects that aim to advance children's rights. Um, And so it was really interesting to me that it was only in the last month that I actually uh, came across literature that talked about children's rights education and really treated children's rights as a curriculum that you can use in schools uh, to benefit uh, all sorts of different things, actually. Um, They tie it into uh, civic education, moral development, school success, Uh, positive health habits and even for teachers as well it's been related to uh, reducing teacher burnout and so um, it's it's really interesting to me children's rights education uh, and it it, it touches upon everything that I'm interested in of course it's uh, children's rights is an international concept Mm -hmm. Um, so in terms of international solidarity work promoting children's rights that's interesting as well plays into a lot of public policy and educational policy and some sort of moral questions as to, well, why would we feel that it's important to have kids recognize themselves as um, right-bearing citizens and why is it important for them to recognize others as right-bearing citizens? I think oftentimes uh, children are kind of treated as the citizens of the future, you know, like, oh, well, when you're 18, you get to vote. And, and when you're older, you get to, you know, act and, and participate in, in all these social, social structures. And um, they're not really given any idea of what role they can play now in the present as children. And, and, and there are, to me, a lot of ways that children can really hmm. be active citizens of society um, if they knew more about their rights and the responsibilities that go with you said that you've done work around this before. Can you talk about a bit, uh, bit of what that work has been? Has that been in the last three years since your undergrad? Yeah, it actually has. Um, and it's kind of it was kind of an interesting path for me because initially, I um, I thought I might go into social work. And in my last year of undergraduate studies at McGill, I did an internship at a at a women's shelter and was kind of doing an, my own independent research on. Um, violence against women how different parts of how you know social or i'm sorry how women's shelters are a way to respond to certain needs and and it was it was just so interesting to me that i kept going back to like well i i actually not intervention prevention like what do i find interesting about prevention strategies because there's that whole phrase an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure Mm -hmm. and i kept like over and over again as I was working at the women's shelter it was just I kept having that circulating in my head and a lot of prevention strategies are more aligned with education than with uh, social work they they kind of play back play back and forth with one another but so instead of working with um, women I started working more with kids um, I worked in a community center doing a girls group for teen girls uh in montreal it was in um little burgundy it's a very uh immigrant uh part of montreal i I don't know if any of the listeners are familiar with montreal geography uh and then i was also working with the local community organizations uh young parents program i was working more with the very the, the kids and then there were um different counselors and social workers working with the parents and then I also did uh, work where I was working in 
a job with an organization that worked across Greater Montreal doing different character development games or, and activities for kids. So mm. we'd go to schools and we had like a recess success program, which was for reducing bullying and um, all sorts of other things too uh, with moral development, which has been, I've learned in research, kind of a debated field. Like it, yeah, it's great to tell kids to be respectful and be honest and be cooperative, but um, how how are we actually promoting those things? Are we doing it? Are we motivating them in a way where it's going to be an intrinsic, you know, I want to be respectful because I understand that being respectful is something good, or is it an extrinsic motivator where people are like, oh, if you're respectful, we'll reward you. So, right, yeah, yeah. But this, this program was actually really, really good. And, um, and then most recently I did an internship uh, – through CEDA, the Canadian International Development Agency. They have a program called the IEP, um, International Youth Internship Placement Program, uh, and they basically get Canadian um, international development organizations to hire interns to work with their partner organizations. Sorry if the chronology there is a little crazy, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> yeah, so I... Uh, I was hired through the CETA internships by an organization called Pueblito Canada and worked for six months with their partner organization in a town called Esteli in Nicaragua doing arts-based education. So, mm. Yeah, it was really incredible. Wow. So you spent these three years doing this, um, doing this work with children and sort of, I guess, deciding that you're more interested in education than intervention. Um, and did that eventually lead you to leadership studies, your interests? Yeah, yeah, it did. Actually, um, because initially I, I was looking at programs in, uh, you know, emotional and social development in children because I thought, okay, well, how, do, how can we encourage kids to grow up happy and healthy and aware of their their rights? And, um, and then the more I looked into it, the more I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to reinvent the wheel of childhood development. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff out there already. But then leadership seemed like this kind of, yeah, I guess nebulous area where I could make my own, make my own mark in it. Hopefully we'll see. So yeah, so that's how I kind of shifted tracks. And also what's cool about leadership is that it holds into, I mean, not that child development doesn't, but it holds into account that in order to create sustainable change in the lives of children, you have to first work with adults Mm. to, uh, you know, when I talk to friends about children's rights education, a lot, a lot of people, adults, are, are unaware of what children's rights education are, what the main articles cover, uh, you know, what's, when it was uh, drafted. And a lot of it is first about working with adults in mm. order for to then work well and be sustainable and working with children. You talked about um, ways in which that you you think that children can take an active role in you know having you know being rights bearing citizens and yeah. being involved in society and stuff. What do you mean by that? Like, what are some examples of spaces where children can really uh, be acknowledged for that and and appreciate that in themselves? Yeah, it's well. So that's part of what I'm trying to see in um, in my research is how I really want to approach that. I've been um, you know starting to explore the literature that that already exists on on people or different initiatives that have happened around children's rights education and there's some really actually interesting things that have 
happened in Canada. In Nova Scotia, there's a center for children's rights where they've developed all sorts of different curriculum activities for uh, specifically grade six and grade eight, and then some for grade 12 as well. Um, just, I, I guess it's, it's interesting because obviously children can't vote, but it, it shouldn't, like, things like that shouldn't seem like, oh, well, that's just for when you're older. We should treat kids with, um, I, I don't know. I think there's, like, a hesitancy to make classrooms political oftentimes where, oh, you know, things are controversial. We don't want parents to get upset and we don't want to, things to get out of hand. But giving kids an idea that they have rights doesn't mean that they're going to go around and <laughs> be, you know, think that they're they're allowed to do anything that they want and get out of hand. I think um, it's, yeah, it's really something quite positive in their development if they can see that well I have you know I have a right to respect so somebody else has a right to respect and 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 maybe it's not so much the actual you know the things they can do uh like in in like you're, you know they're not going to vote on on uh, in an election but just like develop those values so that they can understand what what democratic like what values exist in a democratic system and in a globalized world what kind of values do we need to approach when we're dealing in international relations and that kind of stuff so laying a lot of the groundwork I suppose Mm -hmm. so something like maybe a mock election if there's a federal election coming up would that fall into something like this like having them um, sort of stage an election and and vote like within this a classroom or something but on actual political figures yeah yeah for sure that's uh, that would definitely be something and also I think it's um, important to note uh, children's rights uh, it covers everything 18 years and younger mm-hmm. so it's it's also teens are included in, in children's rights it should it's a little misguiding I guess but um, but actually like for instance I'm, I'm new to Victoria uh, I just came for the degree and I thought it was really cool because when I was sort of trying to see about well what what does Victoria do to get kids involved um, there's a group called the the Sorry, the CVYC, the Council, the City of Victoria Council, the City of Victoria Youth Council. Council. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, so I got in touch with them, and it, it's really cool. It's just a bunch of um, youth. Uh, so some are still in high school, some are kind of first year of university, but who get to start projects and get involved in the community, and the City of Victoria encourages it. And so I thought that was really neat. So definitely, I'm still in the process of figuring out how exactly I want to tackle the research or what, how I want to focus on it and, and still obviously tons to learn about it. But, um, but yeah, it's a really cool, it's a really, really cool field. And there's a couple other people at UVic interested in, is, in it as well. So I've been talking with them. And so, yeah. Do you have, it's pretty early in your studies, but do you, going into it, maybe you did before you even started your studies, did you have any idea for um, sort of desired outcomes at the end of your master's, what you wanted to sort of... No, <laughs> no I have, no. no. I think um, I think school, to be completely honest, coming back to school was a way for me to, to do something new and not, not kind of go into the to the quote-unquote real world quite yet because, yeah, even in, in those three years off that I've taken since undergrad, I've had 
very non-traditional jobs where yeah, yeah there's never been kind of a fixed routine Monday to Friday nine to five and um, so I think coming back to school is actually partially to avoid that and um, and so yeah so the desired outcome no I I, I, I don't know I'll see once when when I get there I guess <laughs> what does your master's look like is it going to be like are you going to write a thesis and a dissertation or are you going to do coursework or a project or something uh, yeah, it's a major research project. Uh, it's leadership studies gives you the option to do an MA or an MED, and the MA is thesis-based. The MED is a major research project. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm in the MED track, but I may see if I want to switch to the thesis track. We'll see. Right. So what would like a, a major research project look then for look like for you? It's, uh, as they've explained it, it's about 70 pages, mm-hmm. and it's uh, obviously an original piece of research. Uh, you work with a supervisor. Uh, you have to take some methods, courses before if you're working with, uh, you know, an actual population or group of people. You have to take an ethics course. But, yeah, well, I, I will see. I, I think um, a lot of people do just literature reviews but I think it'd be cool to have some sort of case study of some kind well yeah we'll we'll see (laughs) Uh, what is it that draws you to um to studying children's rights how did you or why is that important to you uh yeah I I my grandmother has always been super active in social justice causes and I think like retrospectively like she's been a a huge mentor for me she was really big in the women's rights movement in Quebec in the 60s and she's still she's retired now but she worked for the government and she was super active in uh, Amnesty or she still is super active in Amnesty International and a bunch of women's rights chairs and she, she was always talking about you know uh, when the Haiti earthquake happened, she's like, Stephanie, you need to go and and help because this is when I was doing the women's shelter internship. She was like, there's plenty of women in need in Haiti <laughs> and, and we need to work in solidarity with with their population and blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, so I think that's maybe a bit of how the seed got planted. Mm-hmm. Are you involved in... Um in children's rights work in Victoria, I mean, you talked you talked a little bit about the the youth council and sort of figuring out what they're doing there. But do you do other work with that in Victoria? Uh, I participate, um, or I just recently started uh, with Big Brothers Big Sisters has a Go Girls mentorship program. Mm-hmm. So once a week, I go to a middle school in Victoria, and yeah, it's a, ten, a group of ten grade six girls, and we it's part of their healthy. Minds Healthy Bodies initiative, and it's uh, it's not particularly children's rights related, but it's kind of leadership related. So. Oh yeah, yeah. What kind of stuff do you talk about? Oh, of uh, active living and uh, eating habits and uh, all sorts of. Grade six girls are going through all sorts of different stages of puberty and and dealing with body image uh, issues and I, I don't know I remember grade six as being one of those super confusing years and and it's interesting actually to see like the converse in the conversations that come up what still remains true as 
as a woman, like now being mid twenties, what what's still so true since right. grade six. So yeah, and and so yeah, hmm. um, yeah. That must be really interesting to see those conversations from yeah that sort of mirror your own childhood and then stuff yeah. that still stays with you into your early twenties and probably lasts throughout life. Like that must be yeah. very interesting. And I mean, negative stuff that sticks with you. There must be a desire to, like, talk to these girls and help them to sort of overcome that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I'm I'm not the only facilitator for those sessions. I work with two other, actually, UVic students. Uh, and it's, it's totally interesting to see, you know, everybody has their own ways of um, engaging with whatever problems that they have and, and coming out with positive solutions. And, and that's a lot of what I saw as well in in the different volunteer things that I've done in other areas, I've, you know, arts-based education, it was like for some, for some kids, like painting and drawing was like the, that was the catalyst. That was the game changer where all of a sudden, uh, you know, their emotions started making more sense and they, they progressed and that was their way to stay away from negative influences was art. But then I also, uh, in the summer I did an outdoors ed, uh, program where it was, we went mountain biking with a group of kids and, with mountain biking talked about risk taking and commitment and resilience and and for those some of the boys in that group it was like oh biking is what and so it's really interesting and then you know for other people it'll be just yeah gathering together and chatting and other people need to be active when they're dealing with their issues so yeah it's really interesting to see Hmm. how how that gets resolved and how people kind of find their own happiness and um, you talked a little bit about being interested more in the prevention side than the intervention when it comes to, you know, uh, I guess children's rights, but also like violence against women, these things. Um, yeah. It seems like prevention is probably the more difficult side of the coin to achieve. I mean, with intervention, you sort of know what you're dealing with and go in and sort of help try at least to fix a problem. Whereas prevention, it's like it's huge and you're dealing yeah. with possible outcomes. Yes. I I don't know if it's harder, though, because prevention is you're trying to give, um, you know, who, or offer whoever you're dealing with um, the resources and the tools and the knowledge that they need to, to make their own decisions about how, how will in this situation, what makes me happier in this situation, what makes what what's a healthy outcome. And prevention is cool because it gives people their own way of trying to deal with the problem once it comes up so you, you can't really say like oh see that problem like that would that would have been an issue if we didn't give you those resources there's no like you can't you can't, you can't measure that. it really. yeah. yeah yeah it's just yeah so hmm. um do you think that once you're done your master's you would like to go on to like make policy or something like that is that something that interests you once you're done school policy is hugely interesting i have um a really close friend at the public administration school at uh, the university of ottawa and different friends in law schools and so yeah i i definitely think policy is super interesting Mm -hmm. but (laughs) well (laughs) we'll see i i think i'll start with leadership (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh how long do you have to finish your master's uh i think it's five semesters that they tell us or they recommend that we finish our degree in five semesters. Some people take longer. I, I, I don't want to be one of those master's students that ends up being in school for like four to five years. But right. uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll 
see how the timeline goes, but I think it should be about five semesters. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a, t- a tight knit group of people that you know that you're studying with that have sort of come in this intake, or is it huge and everybody's studying different things? It's actually it's a small group of people, but it's not very like tight knit where we all have the same classes. I, I have an online class with student, you know, peers that I haven't even met face to face. And as I mentioned, I think. Uh, yeah, a lot of the international students seem to be very close. So there's a lot of students from China who I think hang out on their own. Um, few students from Saudi Arabia, but there's some older students as well who have, you know, they have kids, and so they come they come for class, but then go right back to being with their families. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been great talking to you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and I hope to check in with you when you're near the end of those five semesters to see how it all worked out and what. Uh, what the outcomes were yeah i well i'll be just as happy to <laughs> figure that what those out or figure out what those were too <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much thanks. thanks for listening to beyond the jargon if you want to listen again go to our website cfuv.uvic.ca and click on the listen tab